Hello and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from a very special locale up in the Blue Ridge Mountains in beautiful northern Georgia. Yeah, thank you guys for coming along with me. Now, the wife and I, we took a week off uh, for a vacation, a much-needed vacation, as the past few weeks have just been nuts, (laughs) to say the least. Uh, But yeah, we we were up here uh, relaxing, you know, enjoying the fresh mountain air, going for some hikes, and it's been wonderful. So I decided to bring you guys on vacation with me, so we're in sort of a makeshift studio, if you will. Might sound a little different today, my voice might be a little more echoey, Uh, might hear some background noise, we've got rain and wind. (laughs) Uh, While it's peaceful, uh, right now we've got that bad weather going on. So a little different, not my isolated studio, we're not in Wolf Studios as normal. Um, but hey, you guys get to join me up here in the mountains. So thank you for coming. Thank you for listening in today. And uh, and yeah, we've got a great, great podcast lined up. But hey, before that, I have to wish everyone a very happy new year. Yes, happy new year. It's coming up in a couple days here. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. It's time to get rid of 2021. Let's go to 2022 and make it a better year year. Yes. And of course, I I hope everybody had a wonderful, safe, and happy Merry Christmas. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And speaking of Christmas, that leads us to our first segment today. First segment's going to be called Christmas Dogs. And you know what? Listen in, see what that's about. (laughs) Following that, we'll have a segment called New Year, New Dog. That's right. New Year, New Dog. And you know, this segment was actually influenced from a listener question. Yeah, somebody sent me a question and it got me thinking more and I wanted to turn the whole thing into a segment. So we're going to be talking about how to create great New Year's resolutions for your dog. Get your dog on a better track in their training, their behavior, and we're going to talk about some good tips to get you there right? Then we'll have the breed of the week. Following that, the listener Q&A. Of course, guys, if you have questions for that listener Q&A, keep them coming at me. Email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. That's right. But before we get going with today's episode, I've got to give you that trivia question. Today's question is, what are the only two mammals that lay eggs? Yes, what are the only two mammals that lay eggs? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around. Sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's Christmas Dogs. You know, I felt the need to do a little segment here on getting dogs around the holidays. Uh, you know, I had somebody I spoke with recently that was telling me, you know, they're a volunteer at the Humane Society, and, you know, she said that it's it's sad sometimes to see the dogs get returned after they've been adopted. And a lot of times these are dogs that really, you know, people have the best interests in mind. You know, the the heart is in the right place, but maybe the brain is not, (laughs) not working ahead of the heart. The heart's working ahead of the brain. And, you know, she was telling me that sometimes these dogs get returned and it's just, it's heartbreaking. And especially this one specific scenario where it was a small dog that somebody had gotten for their older mother and older mother really didn't have an interest in having this dog and unfortunately pretty much tied it up outside our place and didn't take care of it and when they did when the humane society when they got the dog back in their care the dog was matted had not been brushed had not been cared for properly and it's such a shame you know i mean it really it's 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 just sad And so really, you know, and I know we're past Christmas now, but I still feel like it's a good time to do this segment in that, 
you really need to think before you go out and adopt a dog for yourself or let alone anybody else, right? You may have the right intentions in trying to get mom or dad a companion or a friend, but honestly, guys, you have to make sure that not only do they want the dog, but they're up for caring for this dog, right? Let's remember what dogs come with. It's time, it's dedication, it's money. Uh, like, Let's just be realistic, guys. You could spend easily upwards of $1,000 a year, if not more, on food, on medications, on vet bills, on unexpected surgeries, all these things that really come up with dogs. And, you know, I know most of you out there are dog lovers or animal lovers. You already have dogs. Maybe you've had lots of dogs over the years. And I may be preaching to the choir a bit, but it, it needs to be said, right? It needs to be said that a dog is a commitment. And before you go out to the shelters and get grandma a dog, really think things through on, are we doing not only what's in the best interest of grandma, are we doing what's in the best interest of that dog, right? The dog can't talk, the dog, you know, this is the thing, guys, is we're in charge of this whole, this whole thing here, this whole domesticated dog thing. We're the ones calling the shots on this. So the dog doesn't know if it's in a better or worse or any kind of situation, um, it, it's up to us. It's up to the people. So I implore you to make good decisions when it comes to holiday times and the, and getting dogs. And, you know, for that matter, more than ever, guys, here we are with, with, with the COVID situation. Everybody had been home a lot, or maybe people still are home. And we went out and got these dogs. And, and unfortunately I'm hearing more of this from rescues too, where, we went out and got these dogs because we're working from home and all of a sudden we're not working from home anymore and people are returning the dogs back to the shelter. I mean, what a shame. It's just, ugh. Luckily, it's not the majority of people, thank goodness. Uh, it's not, you know, in, in the news and people like that, they'll try to they'll try to tug at those heartstrings and really get you. Uh, but it's not as many people as I, I think they portray it as. There are a lot of people out there who do, but it's not as many. So, you know, the point is, guys, if you are getting back to work because of COVID, things like that, come on, get your dog to a doggy day camp, hire a dog walker, train your dog more, wake up an extra 30 minutes and get your dog on a walk with the exercise. I mean, there's all these things you could be doing to find the right balance. Just because you have to go back to work doesn't mean you need to get rid of your dog, okay? There's a lot of great things we can do to make our dogs fulfilled and happy, even when we're working, okay? Um, you know, look... I hear it a lot, right? Where I'll go, oh, you know, talk to somebody random and say, oh, I train dogs. And they go, oh, yeah, I bet it's more like you're training the people more than the dogs. I get that a lot. Most people know it's not really the dog, it's the person. And so with that said, when you have a dog that comes in from a rescue, while yes, the behavioral issues and the baggage that sometimes these dogs do come with is not by, it's not the fault of the person adopting them. But at the end of the day, after a while, if the person adopting them, if the owner is not doing anything to make those behaviors better, and then they just return the dog because it's just, oh, the dog behaves poorly. At the end of the day, isn't that on the owner? Yes. Yes, it is. And so I'm not, again, not trying to be harsh. And hey, maybe look, maybe there's some of you guys out there that recently have found my podcast because, because you have a rescue dog that you're finding yourself having issues with. Um, you know, I... I while yes, dogs come with baggage, the blunt truth is, guys, without humans changing how you interact with your dog, how you exercise your dog, how you reward your dog, without you changing, your dog's behavior is never going to change. 
So even if you go to a breeder, expecting a dog's behavior to just magically change because they've been with you for a couple months, it's not always the case. It's just not. Now, with that, let's talk about the three rule. Everybody, you know, people know the three rule. A lot of people who have who've especially rescued dogs, you know, after three days, after rescuing a dog, after three days, your dog might feel comfortable enough to be eating and drinking correctly, right? Because, I mean, I've heard that one, too, where uh, someone adopts the dog and 24 hours later, they're going, oh, my God, my dog hasn't eaten anything and he's going to starve him. Guys, he's not going to starve himself to death. It's a change of environment for that dog. It's a big change in their life coming home. And sometimes that can be a little unsettling. Hierarchy of needs kicks in. Dog goes, oh, I'm not feeling 100% safe here. I'm not going to bend over and eat this food and feel all vulnerable yet. I'm just going to wait it out. So that's why that three-day rule is very important. Give your dog three days to acclimate, right? Then there's the three weeks. Three-week rule is when your dog is starting to feel like it kind of knows where it is, right? Uh, A little more settled in. And then three months is where you can actually start to expect your dog to really bond with you, form a relationship with you. Do you hear that, guys? Three days, three weeks, three months. That's the generalized rule of thumb process of getting a rescue dog used to you, used to your home, used to its new environment, and being able to form a bond with you. That's how long it can take these dogs to get comfortable. And how often do we hear dogs are returned after three hours, three days, three weeks, right? So if you are getting a rescue dog, if you have gotten a rescue dog and you find yourself with some behavioral issues, number one, I hate to say it, at some point it is your fault if you're not doing anything to fix it. Not your fault causing it, but as the owner, if you're not doing anything to fix it, got news for you guys, a little bit of the blame is on your shoulder there. I know, I know, I know, but it's the truth, okay? So that's the first thing. Okay. Don't expect your dog to just change. You have to actively do something about it. Right. Really important stuff. Uh, I know Christmas dogs. We thought this might be a happy go lucky segment. (laughs) Maybe not so much. No, this is, this is a serious topic in a way, guys. It really is. And it's one that gets to me because people return dogs so quickly from shelters without trying without changing their behaviors to get their dog's behavior to change, without reading and doing research about dog behavior, about training, without calling a professional and even just asking some simple questions and getting some advice, right? Bare minimum, go through a consultation with somebody and see what they have to say. I mean, do something, you know? And that's what I say about all dogs. You know, let's let's not go down the road of really extreme cases, but when we do have extreme behavioral cases, and I'm talking extreme guys, you know, my, my advice to somebody is always, you have to exhaust all options, right? Maybe it's not the right environment for the dog or for you or, but at the end of the day, you have to do everything as an owner. It is your responsibility. Yes. Lecture time, wagging the finger <laughs> as an owner of that dog. If you're going to adopt that dog and you're taking on that baggage that the rescue is telling It is your responsibility to exhaust all options to give that dog a better life and to make your life better with that dog, okay? Again, at the end of the day, I'm a realist. Sometimes the situations are are not ideal. They're not perfect. They don't fit. They don't mesh, and that's fine. Sometimes a breed is not the right breed for you. Sometimes the specific dog is not the right dog for you. And without going through and exhausting all the options of working with them, training with them, doing everything you can to make their lives better, then you shouldn't have gotten that dog to begin with if you're not willing to go down that road and exhaust 
all those options, guys. I know, cold hard truth, wag of the finger, but it's the truth. And, and, and again, you know, the conversation I had that sparked this, that really kind of influenced the segment more than anything, the conversation I had was with that one dog that got returned that should have never, should have never been adopted because the person didn't even want it. And again, guys, an adoption agency, they can't foresee all of this. They can't know everything. They don't know everything about everyone's lives. They can't predict all these things. So it's our job as the owners, as the potential adopters, it's your job to go out there and make sure you're doing your research, make sure you know what you're taking on, and be prepared to exhaust all options to give that dog a better life. And if you're not ready for those responsibilities, if you're not ready for the financial burdens that come with dogs, pets in general, please don't take that responsibility on then. Please don't give that responsibility to somebody else who doesn't want it. There's nothing wrong with that. If somebody doesn't want a dog, there is nothing. I don't understand that, but (laughs) hey, I'm a dog guy, you know? I don't get that mentality, but to each his own. Not everybody wants a dog, and that's perfectly fine. It's better that that dog wait in the shelter a little bit longer to find a better home than to be put and thrust into an environment that's not going to work for them or the person, okay? So... You know, again, I don't want to lecture you guys too much. I don't want to wag my finger and get on my soapbox and play that whole game too much, but I have to a little bit. I have to a little bit. Please use your brains when you're going out there and adopting dogs, guys, especially if you're thinking about doing it for somebody else. If you're going to do it as a surprise, know that person. If you don't know for certain that they want a dog, don't get them a dog. (laughs) There's plenty of other presents to get, right? Um, But yeah, had to be said. It has to be said. Be smart with rescue dogs, guys. Know the commitment, know the time, the financial burdens, all that stuff that comes with it. Burdens, but in the end, the reward, right? Isn't that why we do it? Isn't that why we love dogs? Uh, Because of the reward you get in the end. Um, So keep that in mind when you're out there and adopting dogs. Do it in a safe, healthy, and of course, a smart, mindful way. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, New Year, New Dog. Yes, this segment is actually influenced from a question that I got, and uh, this question was actually from Sarah from Atlanta, Georgia, and I I really liked it a lot. I liked the question that so much that I wanted to turn it into a segment, 
And, you know, basically what her question said was, first it admitted a little bit that maybe she hadn't been doing as much as she should have been doing with or for her dog, whether it be through exercise or lack of the walk or lack of training. Uh, And she knows that she's maybe fallen a little short. So the question was really, what can she do in the new year, you know, new year, new beginning, new year's resolutions, what can she do to start off the new year on the right foot? Well, there are a couple tips is really what she was looking for to try to get her, her dog on the right foot, on the right track toward being a better dog, better trained dog, right? Um, and I loved it. I loved it. And it seemed so appropriate with New Year's coming up and everything that we do a whole segment and talk about some of these things, you know? So, you know, New Year, New Dog, it's time for those New Year's resolutions. And again, you know, look, if there's one resolution I'm going to get behind, it is committing more to your dog, right? Uh, I'm all about that. Let's do it. And let's make it one of those New Year's resolutions we don't actually fail on. <laughs> uh, let's make it one of those that we can go out there and really really fully commit to commit to your dog make that a make that a big goal this year i think that's a fantastic goal for uh, for everybody to live live up to um, but you know what maybe hey maybe it was just the holidays and you went out and you got a new dog new puppy new dog and you're looking to get off on the right foot looking to start the new year right fresh uh, with your dog. So this is another great segment for even if you just got a new dog. So whether you have a dog that's maybe not living up to the expectations you know that they should, or maybe you just got a new addition, this is a great segment to go over that, okay? So again, I you know, I really I wanted to give you guys a couple tips, a top, couple hints, a couple things to get started and, and um, get your dog going, right? So here we go. Here's a few tips to start making behavioral changes right now, today, for your dog. The first thing we have to talk about is redirections, guys. The kissy noise. I talk about this a lot, and I really think people don't put enough emphasis on teaching their dogs to redirect their focus back to them. Redirect. Your dog needs to be able to redirect their focus back to you as the owner, okay? And the easiest way to start doing that is the kissy noise. Now, I've talked about this before. You know, look, the kissy noise creates focus, right? It creates focus and it redirects focus and it gets us what we need. And once I have focus, then I have the ability to guide and direct it. And then we can actually, you know, train and work with our dog. And, you know, every every consultation, every first session, it always starts with teaching a dog to redirect their focus. I mean, really, this is pretty much almost every consultation I go into, I almost start it the exact same way. Okay. Now, of course, there's some talking with the owner again, but as I'm chatting with the owner and getting some more information about the dog's behavior and things like that, slowly I'll just be going, calling the dog's name. Hey, Fluffy. Okay. They look at me. I give them a little piece of food, right? Okay. And again, slowly I'll just start doing Fluffy, give him a piece of food. Dog will take the piece of food and walk away from me, be done with me. I'll wait another minute or two and then Fluffy, get him to come over me, give him a piece of food. And what ends up happening over the course of this 45-minute hour-long consultation, what ends up happening is that this dog starts realizing very quickly, this guy makes this kissy noise, I come to him, and I get food. Then I start taking it a step further. Not only do you have to come to me, now you have to sit down and be patient. Okay, And it starts evolving into the dog. Sometimes the dog will do a little trial and error of let me jump on the person, and they'll realize jumping on me doesn't get them anything. Uh, and eventually they start connecting the dots of every time I relax and look up at this guy, he gives me food. Even more so when he makes that kissy noise. If I come over to him and pay attention, he gives me food, and then he gives me affection. Really quickly, this dog starts to understand that means stop what I'm doing and redirect my focus to David. 
Okay. And I encourage, I, I, I tell all my owners, this is where it starts. This is that that's always the first homework assignment. Kissy noise, get them to look up at you and feed them. Okay. I can't stress it enough, guys. It's the simplest, easiest possible exercise. I can give my clients and I can give you guys. It's the easiest and most important exercise. Something as simple as a get them to look at you and feed them. Look, guys, honesty time. Here it is. Uh, just going to lay it down. If you don't have the time to set aside 30 seconds here, five minutes there, two minutes here to do a kissy noise exercise with your dog, then maybe you need a cat. <laughs> okay, because look, if you can't commit five minutes here, five minutes there, then you shouldn't have a dog. Dogs are commitment. Okay. Truth bomb time. Most of you already know it. Got to reemphasize, you know, emphasize it, rehash it. All right. So I, I, I just, I'm going to say it five more times. Kissy noise, call their name, get them to make eye contact with you, then bring out the treat and feed them. Now, I want to make one little side note really quick. I know I'm kind of trying to go through some tips for you, but there is an important detail on this tip. I've noticed it a lot, you know, where clients will end up bribing their dogs, right? And what I mean by this is the treat comes out well before the dog's even looking at them, or for that matter, sometimes the treat's coming out before they even make the kissy noise. And what happens is your dog starts focusing on your hand and on your treat pouch, not on you. There's no eye contact. The focus isn't up at you. It's on the food, okay? And so the one little side note I want to make is food reinforcement, rather, more reinforcement is an after-the-fact thing. Reinforcement comes after they do the good behavior. So you cannot pull out that treat until they do something good, until after the desired behavior that look you're looking to strengthen and reinforce. Okay. So with this kissy noise exercise, I, and I know I'm kind of getting a little complicated here, <laughs> dancing around it a little bit, but here it is. With the kissy noise, occasionally I, I cheat at the very, very beginning, only at the start of training when the dog does not know what I want, does not know my expectations. I will take that treat, cheat a little bit, give them, wave it in front of the nose and bring it up to my chin to create eye contact, gain the eye contact, and then feed and reinforce that. But then slowly the treat needs to disappear and not come in until after the fact, okay? So I'm using the treat more as a reward. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's keep it simple. Let's not even dive into this today. <laughs> Basically put, I want to kissy noise, Get them to make eye contact with me, bring the reward out after the fact, and feed them. That's the nutshell version, and let's keep it at that today. <laughs> All right, so again, I cannot stress it enough. I'm going to emphasize it again. You have to be able to control and redirect your dog's focus. If you aren't practicing this randomly, intermittently throughout the day in your house, then forget anything else with training, guys. You know, you have to be able to redirect your dog. And with that, that brings us to the second thing we need to be doing, walks. You hear me talk about it all the time. You really do. It's all about a good quality walk. It is. Walks are 85% mental and only 15% physical. So we need to make sure that we're getting our dogs honed in on the walk mentally and getting them mentally engaged. And the best way to do that is by being able to redirect and control their focus. If I don't have focus from a dog, honestly, guys, it's really hard to get them walking. It is. You have to have good focus and the ability to redirect and guide that focus in order to create a good walk. Now, we're not going to go too in-depth on the walk today, but we're going to go with a few quick tips on how to get a better walk going, okay? First thing we want to do to get a better walk, start by creating focus. <laughs> Did I already say that? I'm not so sure. Uh, 
<laughs> Start by creating focus. Step two to the walk, take your time getting out the door. Make sure you're retaining and controlling that focus before you ever walk out the door. Slow down, guys. If you open that door and your dog is bolting and saying, Pat, forget you, man, I'm heading out. We're six feet in front of you within a second. Slow it down. Turn around, come back inside, ask your dog for a sit, redirect and control that focus, reward and strengthen that focus, and slow down that process of getting out the door. It might take you 20 to 30 minutes the first few times to slow this down, but I promise you with some consistency and slowing that down, you'll have control over walking in and out of the front door. Because if you don't have control over the front door and getting in and out, how in the world do you ever expect to gain control out on the walk, right? So it starts by gaining focus first, and then second, slowing down, getting out that front door. Now, once you get out that front door, we're not done, <laughs> right? We can't just go out the front door and go, okay, he did it calmly, now he can pull me. No, 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 uh, take your time getting down that driveway, getting down to the sidewalk, getting down to the street, take your time. If they start getting a little crazy again, guess what? You turn around, you go right back inside, you hit the reset button, you redirect, sit down, stay, control the focus, start over and do it again. This is a process, right? Training is a process and it can take a little time, but if you stick to it, you know, as I've talked about before, first time is going to take 20 to 30 minutes. Second time is going to take 15, 25 minutes. So on and so forth, you're going to break it down. So you'll be able to just go, hey, sit, leash him up, walk out the door. All right, nice, controlled, all is well. Okay, now the third thing we need to do for the walks, bring your treats on the walk with you guys. Please don't forget that treat pouch. You have to have it a, a way to reward good behavior, to reward desired behavior, to reward and strengthen focus, okay? Bring those treats with you on the walk, reward focus, and intermittently throughout the walk, we're gonna be redirecting, calling the name, Kissy Noise. Now, if you've been practicing this before the walk, your dog should look right up at you when you get out on that walk and you make that kissy noise, right? So you're gonna intermittently be redirecting and rewarding as you go. Start redirecting and rewarding focus on your walk and it's going to help big time. Fourth tip for the walk today, guys, fourth and last one, Put your phones down. <laughs> yes. Please be present with your dogs on the walks. Because guys, I got news for you. If your if your face is buried in your phone, you're going to lose control of your dog. It's, it's just going to happen because you're not paying attention to what they're doing. And if you're not paying attention to what they're doing, you have completely forfeited your ability to guide and direct their focus. So again, Number one tip to start on the walks is going to be start by creating focus before you go on a walk. Tip number two, take your time getting out the front door, making sure you're controlling that focus, turning around, walking back inside and resetting it as many times as you need to. Of course, as you make your way down the driveway to the sidewalk, to the street, wherever you walk, you're going to continue to keep that focus and reward and strengthen it. Okay. And of course, that fourth tip of the walk, guys, put that phone down. Be on the walk with your dog. Be present with your dog, right? It's hard to create a good mindset for your dog if you're not creating a good mindset for yourself. Put that cell phone down. Don't listen to the podcast while you're on the walk with your dog. <laughs> no, be on the walk with your dog, okay? So that's kind of a little nutshell version of how to sort of improve, had a couple tips to start the process of improving that walk. Now, one other thing I want you guys to really do, and this is this is important, guys. You, you really want to up the training with your dog. You really want to make your dog awesome and even better than they already are. Do your homework. Understand how a dog learns and tap into that. 
I don't care whether you're doing your own reading. Go read books. Be careful what you read on the internet. <laughs> okay? But there's a lot of information out there. So whether you're doing your own reading or hiring a professional or both, this is going to be key to training your dog. Okay, guys? Look, you know, I, I've said it before. When I started training years ago, I, everything I did was based on feel. I sort of had an eye for it, and I felt like it was right, and it was awesome. It got me somewhere. But it wasn't until I had that technical understanding of knowing how and why dogs, you know, do the things they do. <laughs> no other way to put it. Having that understanding of what a dog is and why they act the way they do and how they learn and how they perceive and see or rather smell the world around them. So important, guys. So I can't stress it enough. Do your homework as the dog owner. Okay. Do your research, do your reading, hire a professional, do what you got to do, but you have to know what you're doing. What is a treat? What is a leash? What is a collar? What's a reward? What's a punishment? Without that knowledge, you don't have very much power when it comes to training. Just, you know, again, very honest, right? Okay, so do your homework, right? Now, Another tip I want to give you, the amount of treats you're giving your dog regularly is probably too much <laughs> because I can't get over it. Look, I, I really, it kind of blows my mind how much, how many treats people give their dogs on an average, on, a, on average. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. You know, I don't mind a treat every now and then for treat's sake, guys, but think about every time you give your dog a treat just because, I mean, it's like you're giving them a bowl of ice cream just because. You wouldn't do that with your kid, would you? Uh, no. Um, so take the amount of treats you're giving your dog down because it's probably too much. You know, and again, this goes back to understanding the info. If I go back to understanding how a dog and how animals in general learn, I have to understand that I only have three ways to motivate an animal. Food, affection, and sex drive. Can't do anything with sex drive, leaves me food and affection. And if you're giving all that food away for free without any expectation or you're giving too much of it, then it kind of becomes muddled, right? The, the effect of the treat, the effect of the reward becomes lessened, okay? So think about that. Take the amount of treats that you're using down. Take your expectations up. Make your dog work for that food. Make your dog work for affection. You know, if, again, if you're giving all this food and affection away for free, you're literally forfeiting your ways to motivate your animal, motivate your dog. And that's what training, that's what learning, that's what all of this is all about. Learning how to motivate your dog, tapping into it, and strengthening and rewarding that stuff, right? Okay, so one other big tip I want to give you guys that's also really important, and most people know it, but I don't think they create enough of a solidified routine and that, that's just it. create a healthy routine and structure for your dog nothing too rigid but nothing too loose training and in my opinion life in general it's all about balance guys it really is it's all about balance and so it's about balancing the right amount of exercise the right amount of stimulation okay and the right about right amount of discipline and the right amount of reward too much reward, a bad thing. Too much discipline, a bad thing. So create that healthy balance of structure and routine. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, routine's a great thing. It is. Having that routine, your dog knows what to expect. They know to wake up. They know they get their exercise. They get their reward after the fact. They get rewarded for, for listening, all this good stuff. Creating a good solid routine is a good thing, but as I've talked about before, too solid of a routine can be a bad thing, right? If you feed your dog at 5.30 in the morning every single day, I got news for you. Your dog isn't going to care if it's your day off, right? 5.30 rolls around, they're going to be expecting that meal. 
So while I want you to create some structure, feeding at 5.30 every day, not such a good thing. Having to take them out at 5.30 every morning to go pee, not necessarily a good thing, unless it's maybe a young, young puppy, right? Okay, start by creating, and then, you know, this is what I tell all my clients with training, it doesn't matter whether you have a puppy or an older dog, it starts by creating like like some some rigid structure, if you will, and I don't want to say rigid because that's not the right word, um, but you have to create a lot of structure to begin with so your dog knows what your, what your expectations, where the rules, where the boundaries are, and then once they understand that, hey, guess what? Then we can back off and not be so rigid, if you will, uh, right? Not be so... Um, um, adamant about our routine, we can start backing off a little bit because then the structure ends up sticking around. If you've implemented it correctly and you've reinforced and strengthened the desired behaviors enough with that routine, with that structure, then a couple months into your training, you can back off and wouldn't you know it, everything stays in place, all the rules, all the boundaries, right? So um, create a healthy routine, create a healthy structure, but again, not too rigid, not too loose. That's what healthy means. Healthy means balanced, right? So that's what you have to do is create a balanced routine, a balanced life for your dog. All right. So, you know, new year, new dog guys, a lot of, a lot of fun things, uh, over the holidays. I'm sure we got your new dog, got some, maybe some new toys for your dogs, uh, a lot of fun stuff going on. So let's, let's implement those things in a great way, right? So the first thing I want you guys to do is always, always, always have the ability to guide and direct and redirect your dog's focus. That kissy noise, fluffy, getting them to look at you and rewarding it. That's the best way to get there, create that focus and have the ability to guide and direct it. Okay. Uh, then we want to go back to the walk. Of course, that's the second thing we've got to do guys. Get those walks under better control. Let's run through those tips on the walk real quick. First thing, create focus, right? We're going to start creating that focus well before we go on the walk. So that way, once we're on the walk, it's easier to redirect your dog. Second thing, take your time walking out the door. Make sure you're keeping your dog's focus, rewarding and strengthening that. Take your time, slow down and keep it controlled. No matter how long it takes, make sure you stick it through, okay? Third thing is definitely going to be make sure you bring that treat pouch. Yeah, you gotta have treats with you on the walk. Have to have a way to reward that focus. And of course, intermittently, you're gonna be redirecting Kissy noise fluffy, redirecting them as you're walking and rewarding as you go. Fourth thing for the walk, put down that cell phone, be present with your dog and be mindful with your dog on that walk, okay? Uh, next tip moving on after the walk, of course, is do your own homework, guys. Have an understanding of how a dog learns. You gotta be able to tap into that. Do your own reading, hire a professional, do both. This is the key to training. Understanding what you're doing, what a treat is, what a collar is, what a leash is. By far, guys, the most important thing, right? Knowledge is power, <laughs> okay? Then, of course, take down the amount of treats you're giving your dog because you're probably giving them too many. Remember, only three ways to motivate an animal. And if you're doing your reading and your understanding, you'll know this, right? Three ways to motivate an animal, food, affection, sex, drive. Can't do anything with sex, drive. Leaves us food and affection. You don't want to give it all away for free right? Make your dog work for food and affection. It's healthy and it's good. And you have to know how to motivate your animal, right? Take the treats down, take your expectations up. And then of course, the last thing is creating a healthy and good routine, giving your dog something to do, not too rigid, not too loose. Absolutely. Now, another little side note, guys, don't forget, if you want to give your dog something to do, there's always agility classes. There's agility courses at dog parks. You guys can go build your own agility courses. You can even buy pieces of agility courses online now. That's my biggest, you know, I really... I think that's such a great way to get out there and interact and do something healthy with your dogs. There's always dog parks, doggy day camps. You can do scent work, lure coursing, 
and more. There's so many amazing activities to get out there and help your dog, giving them something to do, right? Um, you know, another big thing I want to give you one more little tip, take field trips, guys. Yes, get your dog out into the world. Let them experience new places, new smells, new sounds. That in itself can be so stimulating for your dog and get them exhausted, which is what we want, right? Tired, uh, happy dog. <laughs> so get them out into the world, take them on field trips. Look, even on my doggy day camp, some days we go to a different park or a different place or a new place just to give them that experience, give them that fun. All right. So a lot of good things in there. New year, new dog. This is what I love about working with dogs, guys. It's never too late to start training, no matter how old. Really isn't. Yes, maybe takes a little more time <laughs> to train new behaviors with an older dog. But I promise you, if you get out there, do some work, take these tips, put them into play, you'll have a better year and a better dog. The answer to today's trivia question, what are the only two mammals that lay eggs? It's the duck-billed platypus and the echidna, also known as the spiny anteater. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Sharpay. The Sharpay is a member of the non-sporting group, and they come in from 45 to 60 pounds. A calm, loyal, but often independent dog, this challenging breed is usually recognized by their big wrinkly faces. A great companion and guard dog, the Sharpay can be standoffish with strangers, but always loyal to their families. Early training is important with this breed to ensure a stable-minded dog that knows that the owners are in charge. They do need a moderate amount of exercise, but do not make the best jogging buddies. They can overheat easily, so it's important to keep these guys cool. Well-trained, these dogs can excel at agility, lure coursing, tracking, and more. There are some health issues to be aware of with the Sharpay, a lot of the concerns being um, centered around eye disorders. Now, they can also be susceptible to respiratory, cardiovascular, skin, and gastrointestinal issues as well. They are easy to groom, only requiring occasional bathing, but owners need to be sure to get their coats thoroughly dry. With all those skin folds, they can easily develop skin irritations. Kept in good health, the Sharpay can live from 8 to 12 years. The Sharpei can trace its roots originally back to ancient China. Now, being that China was a closed and geographically isolated society for so long, many of the breeds developed there have a unique look such as the Pug, the Pekingese, and the Chow Chow. Some say the breed goes back some 2,000 years dating back to the Han Dynasty, but nobody really knows for sure. Now, it was thought that these dogs were bred in southern China as a peasant-type dog used for a variety of tasks such as guard dog, herding, hunting livestock guardian, and more. The Sharpei was only known in China for quite a long time. Now, in 1949, with the creation of the People's Republic of China, the Sharpei was almost wiped out of existence. The government unfortunately cracked down on dog ownership and began to eliminate and kill the dogs. Now, the Sharpei would most likely be extinct if not for one man, Matgo Law, a dog breeder in Hong Kong, has actually been credited with saving the breed. All thanks to him, a small number of dogs were brought over to the United States in 1973, and a breeding program was established. Now, shortly after the dog's arrival, the Chinese Sharpei Club of America was formed, and the AKC accepted the breed into the miscellaneous class in 1988, and then the non-sporting group in 1991.
Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Sandra from Westchester, New York. Sandra says, is it safe for my dog to ride in the front seat of my car? Good question, Sandra. Look, it's a simple answer. No, it's really not safe for your dog to ride in the front seat. You know, there's there's multiple reasons, uh, the biggest being the airbags. You know, you've got some pretty big airbags being being deployed in the front seat, and obviously cars are now equipped with the side airbags and this and that, uh, but especially that front airbag, those, those are big, and man, they come out with a lot of force. And quite frankly, it's just, I, I don't think it's going to be a good situation for your dog. Um, you know, the one I see a lot also is dogs on people's laps. Guys, you got to stop doing that. It's so unbelievably dangerous, you know? Your dog is in the way of the steering wheel. God forbid you got to steer and turn quickly or veer. Your dog could be in the way of your hand. Your dog could stop you from making the turn you need to make. Um, Your dog could just simply be distracting. Your dog could be blocking your view of your side mirror. Guys, stop riding with your dogs in your lap. You know, Sandra, I'm sorry if that's something you do, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to be honest. It's not safe. It's not good for you. It's not good for other drivers around you. And it's especially not good for your dog. Um, look, we've talked about this a little bit of wh- what is the best setup and where should your dog ride in the car? And look, guys, any any accident, any accident, it's not going to be good news for your dog, no matter how you have them in your vehicle. Um, you know, there's studies that have said you, should, you really should put your dog in a crate in the car. I don't know. Is that the best option? What happens when they hit where your dog is in the crate? Your dog's in the crate and they can't move. They can't get out and they get crushed. In the- I mean, I, look, I'm trying to think worst case scenario, like an accident here. So should you tether your dog? Should you crate your dog? Should your dog be loose in the back seat? I can't really tell you the answer to that because by no means am I an expert. I have not done uh, endless amounts of research on that subject. So I don't want to tell you where the safest place for your dog in a car is because again, there's really no such thing as a safe place in an accident, guys. Let's let's just be real. Um, but I can tell you the front seat, bad idea. I, I can just I can I can tell you that the back seat, no matter what setup you do, is going to be a better option than the front seat. So please, please, please don't ride with your dogs in the front seat of your car. Next question. This comes from Michael from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Love it. I have been to Hershey. Hershey's a fun place, right? <laughs> I mean, hey, who doesn't love an awesome roller coaster park with chocolate involved? Um, <laughs> so uh, Michael from Hershey, he says, how often do I need to brush my golden retriever? My mom says I need to do it every day, but I think that's a little excessive. What do you think? You know what, Michael? You're actually right. Every day is a little excessive. <laughs> uh, look, if you have somebody in your house that has allergies, then maybe you do need to do a quick quick brush through, pull off some of that dead fur out. Maybe that's part of the reason your mom is emphasizing that. Uh, it's from someone in the house that has an allergy to the dog. But you got to be careful. And even something like a golden, golden retrievers, you know, they can have skin issues. They can be very prone to skin issues. And something like overbrushing, depending upon the type of brush you're using, how often, how much, it can actually do more harm than good. Yeah, believe it or not. Um, You just got to be careful with those kinds of things. So every day with a golden does seem a little excessive. Once a week is good, maybe twice a week too. It really depends. Uh, Look, sometimes golden retrievers go through blowing their coat, right? They might be blowing their coat the time of year. Um, Certain other breeds do that. 
And yeah, maybe you need to be brushing a little more often when they're doing that. Um, but you know, every day is a little excessive. 365 days a year to be brushing your golden is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot, Michael. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe tell your mom you can, you can do twice a week. Let's do that. But again, if we do have somebody with allergies, Hey, there's other options. Um, you know, maybe try to find a brush that has rubber tips, rubber uh, bristles, things like that, that maybe aren't going to be as harsh as like a comb brush, or even for that matter, you know, look, I am a big advocate of the Furminators. It's an awesome, awesome tool, but it can be a bit harsh depending on where you're brushing, especially look, my, my old, my old golden male who we just lost recently. Um, his stomach was very itchy. <laughs> his stomach was very sensitive. You know, he had very sensitive skin. He was one of those goldens who definitely had some allergies and was prone to a couple things. Um, and yeah, too much brushing would definitely irritate his skin. So just be aware of that, you know, take a good close look at your dog's skin, see if it's causing some issues. If it's not, then may, hey, maybe you're all right. But yeah, okay, you know, I, I'm kind of, I know going off and around. But to answer your question, Michael, every day is a little much, maybe once or twice a week for a golden retriever is a little more acceptable. Um, but again, always keep an eye on your dog's allergies, how it's affecting their skin, how it's affecting their fur, and make sure you're just keeping them nice, happy, and healthy. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to click that subscribe button. Have a wonderful, happy, and safe new year out there. Please don't drink and drive. Don't forget to always phone a friend, Uber, or taxi service. Come home safe to your dogs, guys. I will see you next year. And of course, don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.